Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. For a Latter-day Saint, does exaltation automatically, by definition, imply that you have the power of reproduction? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We are looking at a sermon that was given by Eldred G. Smith. At the time, he was patriarch to the church. That was a lifelong position. It's no longer a position in the church as of 1979. But on March 10, 1964, he gave a talk to students at Brigham Young University titled Exaltation. And as we've mentioned, the reason why we feel it's important to go through this is here we have a case of a leader in the church talking to a friendly audience, wanting to educate his audience, so he's trying to be very clear, he's not obfuscating, and we find also that what he is teaching back in 1964 is really not all that different than what most Latter-day Saints believe today. We've gotten to the portion in his speech where he's introducing the doctrine of eternal increase, and this is what he said. If you are resurrected into exaltation, that means you will have this body restored to you again in its perfection. And then he says, I would carry that principle just another step further. If you are resurrected and this body is restored to you in all of its perfection in every respect, except that you do not have the power of reproduction or the seed, that still then cannot be exaltation. Because perfection in mortality would be better than that. Okay, so if you're going to be exalted, you have to have this ability to procreate, or the power of reproduction, as he says. As I mentioned, this is the doctrine of eternal increase, and it goes back to Joseph Smith, the founder of the LDS movement. In the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, pages 300 to 301, Joseph Smith says, except a man and his wife enter into an everlasting covenant and be married for eternity while in this probation, by the power and authority of the holy priesthood, they shall cease to increase when they die. That is, they will not have any children after the resurrection. Now again, Joseph Smith wasn't the only one that taught this. Tenth President Joseph Fielding Smith said in his book, Doctrines of Salvation, Volume 2, pages 68 and 69, Spirit Children in the Resurrection, those who attain to the exaltation in the celestial kingdom shall have the power of eternal increase of posterity, and they shall be above all because all things are subject unto them. Children born to parents who have obtained through their faithfulness the fullness of these blessings shall be spirit children not clothed upon with tabernacles of flesh and bones. These children will be like we were before we came into this world. And of course that raises the question, well, why will they be spirit children if you're supposed to have a body of flesh and bones as God the Father has a body of flesh and bones? If each creates after its own kind, why do we, as in the case of the Mormon God, who has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's, why is he having spirit offspring? 
Elder G. Smith goes on in his talk to say, exaltation automatically by definition implies that you have the power of reproduction, that you have the seeds eternally, and in order for that, you have to have a companion. So in order to gain exaltation, there must of necessity be the sealing of a husband and wife by the power of God or by an agent of God with his power given to him so that it will be in effect after death and through all eternity, that you will be husband and wife even after the resurrection and each of you being perfect with the power of reproduction that you might have continued increase in the world to come. I can only imagine what a group of college students are thinking as he's talking about this in this message. I'm sure there were probably a few chuckles going on in the audience. But folks, this is a part of LDS theology to this very day. This is not something that has been abandoned. This is not really even something that's been completely ignored. It's just you don't find a lot of messages from LDS leaders being so blunt about this as Eldridge G. Smith was back in 1964. Smith goes on to say, if you follow exaltation, then just a little further, you would say, how is that going to be? You say, if I have more children born after my resurrection, if I am resurrected, then with a perfect body, not subject to death anymore, a celestial body, not a mortal body, but this mortal body made celestial, being a body of flesh and bones in a celestial glory, then if I have children born after I have attained that stage of development, what kinds of bodies would my children have? Will they be bodies like I will have, or like I have now, or like I have had? That can be answered very simply. If you know of one case of someone who has been resurrected and then had children, and you know who the children are, if you know of one case, then all other cases would be like it. Now, of course, that question really sounds a little bit silly because obviously nobody knows that. And even Elder G. Smith doesn't know that, except in one case. And this is where he goes on to say, of course, I did not say someone resurrected from this earth. The only one I know of who has been resurrected and had children that I know of is my father in heaven and my mother in heaven. A little later, he says, our father in heaven must have been a mortal on some far distant past earth or my experiences here in mortality would teach me more about mortality than he knows. Then there would be no point in me praying to him for help because I know more about it from firsthand experience than he does. In other words, he would cease to be God. That, of course, is ridiculous. Eric, I, I think that his analogy is really a bit far-fetched when he says our father in heaven must have been a mortal on some far distant past earth or my experiences here in mortality would teach me more about mortality than he knows if he was a mortal on some far distant past earth wouldn't my experiences living in the 21st century give me experiences that he would have never known in some far distant past? I mean, are we to assume that our Heavenly Father would be familiar by experience of how to use a cell phone or to use a computer? Of course not. They weren't invented back then. So if I'm going to use his analogy and carry it to what I think would be the logical conclusion, I think his analogy then becomes ridiculous. 
Bill, he continues and says, so our Father in heaven must have gone through a life of mortality and become resurrected, and we have to have a mother in heaven because we could not have a father without a mother at any time in any life. We were their children born after their resurrection. Before we came on this earth, we were personages of spirit. Now, again, let's examine what he's trying to tell us here. Our Father in heaven must have gone through a life of mortality and become resurrected. And we have to have a mother in heaven because we could not have a father without a mother at any time in any life. I think what Elder G. Smith is doing, and I think this is what all Latter-day Saints who believe this doctrine are doing, is they're assuming that the rules that apply to us here on earth must be also applied to God the Father Well, why does that have to be? Why would we have to assume that a God who we believe can do all things, he's omnipotent, also could have the ability to create human beings without having a heavenly mother to do this in some kind of pre-existence? You know, somebody who has actually talked about this is Charles R. Harrell, and he wrote a book called This Is My Doctrine, The Development of Mormon Theology, page 138. Listen to what he has to say about this, and I think he is making a very good point. The doctrine that God, through a procreative act involving a heavenly mother, is the literal father of our spirits, expresses the most fundamental and important relationship between God and humankind in LDS theology. Surprisingly, however, nowhere is this doctrine explicitly taught in any of the standard works, neither is it found in any of Joseph Smith's recorded teachings. And again, I I think what you've just brought out, Eric, is the fact that LDS leaders can ad lib. They don't need any kind of written text in order to get their doctrines. They can just make it up on the fly. Joseph Smith was notorious at doing this. Brigham Young was notorious at making up doctrine on the fly. This is where I think it becomes difficult for even Latter-day Saints. But let's bring out one more point, this idea of eternal procreation. When he goes on in that same paragraph to say that we even took part in a war, that great war in which Satan or Lucifer was cast out of heaven, which gave us the opportunity of coming to this earth and having the two forces of good and evil by which we may gain exaltation. Let's carry that thought a little bit further. We know that in Mormonism, all of us as human beings were present at this great council where Jesus was chosen to become the Savior of mankind. That's what led Lucifer, one of God's sons, to rebel against his father and his brother, Jesus, and led one-third of the spirits, which are our spirit brothers and sisters, according to LDS theology, to be kicked out of heaven. They would become the demons, and Lucifer would become Satan. Are we to assume that if, if we were all present for that council in the preexistence, that there is going to be a limited number of human beings that will come to this earth? What if this earth outlives the number of human beings that are going to come from the preexistent state into mortality or this mortal probation? Will all of a sudden any human couple who is trying to have children won't be able to have children because all of the spirit children that were in this pre-existence that's being discussed here have already been emptied out onto the earth, and now there are no more to come. There's no real answer that I've found in LDS theology regarding that. 
I wonder how many Latter-day Saints have thought this through, but if all of us were there at this council that supposedly happened, this is not a Christian teaching, this is a unique LDS teaching, we were there to be able to choose between Jesus and Lucifer, we had our agency, well then everybody from Adam on would have had to have been there, so we all would have been born. This makes no sense when you think about the idea of procreation today. Heavenly Father, if he is doing any kind of procreation, it certainly isn't on this earth, and it's an argument from silence to say he's procreating on other earths. And yet that was an argument that Orson Pratt, who was a Mormon apostle, raised. He said that once we as gods fill up our earth, we start on a new one. Well, what happens to the old one? What happens to the people that are left on that other earth? They just kind of go into old age and everybody just tends to die off. See, I've never heard any LDS leader discuss this. And it's probably, as you say, not something that most Latter-day Saints think about. Tomorrow, we'll continue our look at this talk on the subject of exaltation given by Patriarch of the Church, Eldred G. Smith. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism. At Mormonism Research Ministry, we're committed to equipping Christian believers to share their faith with their Mormon friends and loved ones. That's why we produce the radio program, Viewpoint on Mormonism, as well as operate our website, mrm.org, where you will find hundreds of fully documented articles that deal with both the doctrines and history of the Mormon movement. At mrm.org, we also have an online store where you can order books like Mormonism 101 and Answering Mormon's Questions. Let us help you be better prepared to share your Christian faith.